If you turn in your Bibles, not to the book of Mark, but to the book of Luke. If you'll go to Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40, you may wonder why we're in the book book of Luke this morning. We're in the book of Luke because uh, it was September of 2022 in which we discussed in the book of Mark the triumphal entry. So we have been in Holy Week since September of 2022, and so we need to go back a little bit this morning and start over. Not necessarily start over, but we need to go back to the triumphal entry because we're here on Palm Sunday, and so we don't move forward and get all lost to where we are. We're going to go back for one Sunday to Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40, and remember this day that we're here and we celebrate today, the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, a day of much celebration and rejoicing. So Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40, let me read them for us, and then we'll carry on this morning. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had drew near to Bethany and the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks, cloaks on the colt, and they, said to, and they set Jesus on it. This is the main part of what we'll talk about this morning, so let's zero in. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to them, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered them, I tell you, if these disciples were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is our goal in our passage this morning. I can't tell you how excited I am about what this month holds for us. We go from this morning, Palm Sunday, seeing the kids walk down the aisle and just being so moved in worship to come back tonight for our normal discipleship classes and then come back to a night of worship. We've not had a night of worship like this at our church in a long time, and so this will be a a night that our choir and orchestra that are just stunningly incredible will lead us through a night of worship with with, um, uh, the deacon serving the Lord's Supper, with just different vignettes throughout the night. I mean, this is going to be an incredible night that you will not want to miss. To come back and all throughout the week on Wednesday night to have a passion service, Friday to have a Good Friday service, then to come back on Easter Sunday morning, oh, the joy that it is to be back on Easter Sunday morning. Then to come the next week after that and have uh, intergenerational service to be led by our children and youth and sanctuary choir, senior adult choir in worship, and to remind ourselves what a joy it is as a church to be an intergenerational house of worship. And then to come back the next week, I'll be in Ghana, so Jay will be preaching, and then at night, Will Spive will be preaching. What a wonderful night, that, a wonderful day and morning and evening that'll be. And then to cap off the April, just with another opportunity to be together. So I think it's a five-Sunday uh, month of April. This is going to be a banner month of worship at our church. I'm excited. 
to see what God will do as we walk through each of these pathways to the resurrection and be reminded even as we carry on what God is doing here in our midst. I do believe it was March of 2020, those words even begin to instill in us a little bit of uh, something. It was March of 2020 when Brittany and I did something that I said I would never in my life ever do. It was right before the pandemic hit and I had had said that I would never do this particular thing no matter what happened in our life. I would never, ever do this. And of course, I did it. It's what happens. I don't know. You, you say, Lord, I will never do this or I will never, ever do this. And it's something that it just seems to kind of happen. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic or before the pandemic had reached Montgomery and everything kind of came to a grinding halt that we were expecting our third child and we were in pursuit of a new vehicle. And I had said my entire life, I would never drive a minivan. It wasn't going to happen. I would not be one of those people. I couldn't. It wasn't going to happen. I would not let myself drive around in a minivan. And even if I did, Brittany would have to drive and I would sit in the passenger seat because I would not be found driving a minivan. But uh, I have a persuasive wife. And as I begin to unfold the details of a minivan, I begin to think that maybe it was the right decision for our family. Well, I drove off the lot that day and something inside of me died. (laughs) But something else inside of me came alive. I'm a minivan guy and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. You got three kids? No problem. Load them up. Plenty of car seats. You got five kids? No problem. Load them up. Plenty of car seats. You need storage, no problem, fold down the seats. You got plenty of room. You need more storage, there's a roof rack on top. You can get one of those shells. You got plenty of room for everything. Gas mileage, fantastic. You got the little buttons you press and the car doors open up. You got another button you press and the back opens up. What do you need? The minivan's got it. We're good. I'm a minivan guy through and through, through and through. New dads, minivan, go ahead and get get on the train. It's all good. It's totally fine. Right, something inside of me that died, another thing came alive because I have experienced the minivan. It's fantastic. I will never go back. I have experienced, because of what I have experienced in this minivan life over the past three years, I have experienced all the little things about the minivan. I've seen the gas mileage, I've seen the the joy of seeing the kids pile in and easily be able to find their spots. We've taken long road trips. Everything about this thing screams good decision. In no way does it relate to what we experience on Palm Sunday. But, but as I have experienced, as I have seen, as I have watched Something about what's happened over these three years have done something in me that I would broadcast and tell people about what I have experienced. There's something about what you experience that wells out out of you. Have you been to a good football game lately? And as you're walking down the corridor, do you just, you just talk about it? Can you drive in the car the whole way home and you're, just, you're talking about, man, wasn't that awesome? That last minute, wasn't that incredible what we just saw? You leave a good meal, and what do you do but talk about how good the savory flavors were? There's something about when we experience something, when we see something, when something has been good to us, and it, it changes our hearts. We talk about it. We, 
We praise it. We honor it. It's precisely what we see in the text. Luke chapter 19, you see at the end, number one, if you have your outline, let's just talk. They worship, the disciples worship because what they had seen. You see, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, and this is so important, for all the mighty works that they had seen. Because of what they had seen Jesus do, because of what they had seen and experienced with Jesus, their overflow of what they had experienced came out of them in worship. They had seen Jesus heal. They had heard the rumors of what Jesus had done. And here they see Jesus riding in on this donkey and out of them flows worship. As you've been with Jesus, as you've experienced what Jesus has done in you, for you, through you, to you, we worship. When we've experienced, when we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we worship. It was, I believe, a Sunday right after we experienced the fire here at the church when I had one of the most incredible experiences of worship in my life. That Thursday that the fire hit, those next few days were spent just with every alarm bell in my soul going off. I realized how, how weak and inexperienced and not a clue I had of what was going on. There was fear and anxiety that were kind of wellowing up in me. And every moment of every day, you just walked around this place saying, Lord, help. You ever been there where you just kind of walk around your life and just say, Lord, help. And that was it like for days walking around here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and leading into Sunday, just walking around this place saying, Lord, help. I need, Lord, help. I got nothing. Help, help. Please help, Lord. I, what do we do? Help, Lord. Please help. I need you. And every day, the Lord helped. Every day, the Lord brought wisdom. Every moment, the Lord gave guidance. Every second of those days, the Lord gave grace in my weakness. As a church, we experienced that as well. We didn't know what was going on, and the church unified and came together. So on that Sunday morning, because of what we had experienced with the Lord, worship came out of us. As we began to sing, to God be the glory, great things he has done, even though we've experienced a fire here at the church, we as one voice and one accord, no matter what all we had experienced as a church, we're able to say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. We had set with the Lord. We had experienced the Lord. So what naturally came out of us was, to God be the glory, great things he has done. When you've experienced God being your good shepherd, when you've struggled with not knowing where to go, how to go, how things are gonna work out, and the Lord has led you by the hand through what you're walking through, can I tell you, worship flows out of you. When he's been your healer, when you've been down and he has healed you, do you know it flows out of you? But Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the healing that you provided. When everything has been taken away, when you're left with nothing, and your salvation is all that you've got. Do you know what flows out of you? But worship. To say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, though everything floods away, though everything tidal rages all around me, thank you that you have saved me. And worship flows out of you. 
There's something special about coming together both personally and corporately to worship the Lord together. When I see what God is doing in your life and you see what God is doing in my life, it allows us to worship the Lord together. That happened on Sunday night, last Sunday night, as we came together to hear reflections lead us in concert. I'm not that old of a guy, but there's something incredible about seeing younger generations lead in worship. I don't know, it just does something for the soul when you see all the bad things happening all around, but to see a younger generation lead in worship, it does something for the soul. And so to be here Sunday night, as I'm sitting through and I've got a lot of thought to my mind and I'm here to listen to the reflections lead through their concert and at some point in that concert, something changed in my soul that I was watching the reflections youth ensemble begin to worship themselves and I began to hear the stories of what God had done in their lives over the course of that week. And so what happened is I'm listening to them, I am worshiping because I'm praising God for what he did through them. As you look around this church, the reason why we come together in corporate worship is because I need to see you worship because of what God is doing in your life and you need to see me worship because of what God is doing in my life. We came together on that Sunday night and what flowed out of here was genuine worship because we were praising the Lord for what he had done. We come together in worship to experience and to see and to remind ourselves of what the disciples saw, all the mighty works that they had seen. Can I give you an important question to ask in your families, in your homes, in your friendship circles, in your discipleship groups, in your your groups that you get together in and talk about the Bible? Can I give you one question that can help you in your worship? Where have you seen God at work lately? It's a simple question, but it's a very profound question. In college, as you're, for those college students, as you're, as you're with your sorority or fraternity or your groups that you're a part of, or in high school, as you're discipling people, as you're with your teachers or whatnot, and you're in your Bible fellowship classes, there's an important question that you can simply ask, where have you seen God at work lately? And you know, as you begin to ping pong around the room and hear the story of how God is working in small ways and big ways, what does that lead you to but to say, man, God is at work, thank you, Lord, And you begin to see more fully and clearly that he is actively at work in people's hearts. A simple question, where have you seen God at work lately? Where have you seen the Lord at work in your life lately? And it leads you to your knees to see, God, look at your staggering activity around us. Look at how you are moving and working in the hearts and lives of people right around me. And man, what does it do but stir in you a heart of worship to see God at work? I think a lack of worship in our lives most normally indicates a lack of intimacy with God and seeing his power in the world at work and other people and in the church. Let's take a quick fast forward to number two, which is worship is, and turn over in your Bibles, or you see Hebrews 13, 15, and 16 on your outline. Take a pen with you, and let's underline a few key words as we look at a few quick practical admonitions. Worship is, number one, personal and together. Personal and together. If you look at Hebrews chapter 13, you see through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 
You see Hebrews chapter 13, not a a full picture of worship, but it is a helpful picture of worship. It says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Worship is both personal intimacy with God and is also intimacy with God that we experience together as a corporate body of worship. Worship is not from 8.30 to 9.30 on a Sunday morning. We don't walk in the doors of this church and say, all right, Lord, you got one hour. You better make it good. I'm here to worship. When I leave, I've got some other things I gotta attend to, so this is my hour that I've set aside to worship. I've got now nine minutes to wrap this thing up, and so Mark, you better finish up because my worship period is finished in nine minutes. This is not how believers relegate their worship section. We don't enter in and say, here I am to worship, Lord. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Okay, we're done, it's time to go. Time to eat lunch, time to go to work, time to, no. Worship extends beyond this place into every aspect of our lives. See, this is corporate worship that we do together, but there is personal worship that we do individually. If you look over to Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Essentially, every day when you wake up, it is your spiritual act of worship to say, Lord, I am yours today. Wherever you lead me, wherever you guide me, whatever happens today, I am yours. Which leads to number two, it is continual. You see, let us then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Our personal intimacy spills over into our corporate times together. It's continual. When we wake up in the morning, as we recognize Romans 12:1, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's where you say, Lord, today, these hands are yours. Lord, these eyes, they're yours today. They're a sacrifice to you. This mouth, Lord, it is yours. These feet, Lord, they are yours. Wherever you take me, I am ready to go. My heart, Lord, I am ready to love wherever you take me. I'm yours. This is your spiritual act of worship to daily, continually say, Lord, I am yours today. And as you personally give in to the Lord's calling in your life, it spills over into every other segment. And sometimes we struggle with what does worship look like in the day-to-day life. Does it mean that we turn off our talk radio and we listen to Christian music on the car ride? Is that what worship is? Is it just a whole bunch of singing? Do I just have to sing all day? Is that what it looks like for me to pop on headphones and everywhere I go I gotta sing? Well, you may be a musician and you may love that, but can I tell you there are other ways to worship. Let me just give you a simple, practical reality. We worship God in everything that we see and experience in a day-to-day life. Can I tell you, biting into an apple can be an incredible spiritual act of worship? As you, as you bite into an apple and you taste the crispness and the juice go into your mouth and you say, Lord, thank you for the taste buds that allow me on a, on a hot day to enjoy this. Lord, thank you that you so ordained the rain to fall to allow this apple to grow. Thank you for the growers that would grow this apple and ship it to me. Lord, thank you for the money to buy this apple. Thank you that I can enjoy it and that it nourishes my soul. Lord, thank you for the, the joy of eating a good apple apple. And I know that seems small and trite, 
But how much do you praise the Lord on a hot, miserable day to have a nice, cold glass of water? To just simply stop and say, Lord, thank you for the refreshing nature of this glass of water. Extend that beyond. When you see a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise, to say, Lord, thank you that you created all things, that you are in all things. Because number three, it is also humbling. It is so humbling. As we worship together, let us acknowledge and offer a sacrifice of praise because you recognize almost daily that he is God and I am not. Just a moment ago, Brittany sang a beautiful song, How Great Thou Art, along with our choir just roaring to life. Right off the bat, we sing, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars and I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. You know, as I worship, I need to be reminded that I have not yet created a single star. I've not yet created a single galaxy. I've not formed anything outside this world. I'm not sustaining my own breath. I'm not sustaining gravity that keeps me down here on this earth. I need to be reminded daily that I am not God. Because you see, as the psalmist says, Thy power throughout the universe displayed as we open our eyes to see God's handiwork all around us. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee. How great thou art. And as you look around and you see God's power on display everywhere, then wells up your soul in humility to say, God, you are it and I am not. Which will lead to number four, that it is compelling. Our worship is compelling. Worship is the heartbeat of what compels us out of here and into the world. You see again in Hebrews 13, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Do not neglect to do good reminds us that as we worship the Lord, as we worship him in spirit and in truth, as we recognize that he is God and that we are not, as it humbles us, as we recognize that he is the giver of all good things, as we continually worship from the moment that we wake up to the moment we go to bed. It is compelling. It compels us. It fuels us. It fuels other people. It compels other people to want what the Lord has done for us. I want to summarize all that I have said this morning in Psalm 100. You see on your outline, it's a psalm for worship and thanksgiving. And as you write those things down on your note sheet, I would ask that you stand with me as we conclude this morning. And I want to read Psalm 100. Go ahead and stand as soon as you get your note sheet written in. I know a lot of you need to fill in that sheet to finish up the day, but fill it in and stand up with me. As Brad comes and we're about to sing our way out of here, Psalm 100 is a summation of all that I've said and all that I could teach you on worship. It's Psalm 100. When you struggle, what does worship look like? How do I worship? What do, we, what do we do in worship? Go to Psalm 100. What does it say? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Make a joyful noise. What do you have to be joyous about? Because he's saved you. He's redeemed you. You are whole and you are free. 
So we make a joyful noise, not a grumbling noise, not a noise that says, man, I cannot believe I have to do this. No, we make a joyful noise because of what he has done. Make a joyful noise, all the earth. Not just Montgomery, Alabama, not just First Baptist. No, make a joyful noise, all the earth. That's why we go on mission. That's why we extend this worship all throughout the, out everywhere we go. Because the Lord has ordained that the, in the heavens one day, every tribe and tongue and nation would be represented singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Know the Lord, he is God. And it is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray, Lord, thank you. We make a joyful noise because you have saved and redeemed. We have come into this place with singing, with joy in our hearts, because we are the sheep of your pasture. You are ours, you are our good shepherd. Thank you that your love endures forever. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.